AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Another year of volatile trade is expected in the U.S. livestock markets, and USDA's Risk Management Agency is trying to stay ahead of that risk with new tools and updates to existing programs. We'll learn about some of those changes, and it's Wednesday. We'll talk risk management, shipping issues, and biofuels on this week's Farmer Forum. Live from the foothills of Happy New Year Hump Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Marsha Bunger from USDA's Risk Management Agency. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Michelle Jones and Bob Hemesath. Directly following the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. I, handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now here's the host of AgriTalk, Hip Boy. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. We're shaking, I like we're... Well, yeah. I feel like we're breaking out the big guns for the first farmer forum of the year. Michelle Jones, mm-hmm, and Bob mm-hmm. Hemesath, these, yeah. uh, those two usually have a lot that they want to talk about and a lot going on in their lives mm-hmm. uh, that that makes for a good conversation. So yeah. looking forward to the conversation with them. And then, of course, conversation with Marsha Bunker from RMA. They've got the Livestock Roadshow coming up because... There are several up upgrades, updates. I guess that's that's yet to be seen whether or not changes to programs or upgrades or updates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there are a few changes out there in the livestock uh, risk management programs offered by RMA that we're going to talk about, and plus how mm-hmm. you can learn more about get the details of these changes and what it might mean for your risk management out there. How you doing? Everything oh, good? That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you talk about, you know, livestock on the road, um, you know, I just, I just hope all the, uh, all the gang is okay. Cause I hear yeah. they've got a cow that balances on a beach ball. You know, they got a hog that like <laughs> kind of hits the honks, the horns like the seals right. do. So we right. just wish them all the best. Yep. Yeah. And don't forget the dancing chicken. Oh, the dancing chicken. Yeah. Up there the, the, on kids, the, the kids love it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Up there on that griddle for a stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Boy, they love to dance. They do love to dance. Oh, absolutely. They do. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That's Davis. Let's Hello. go ahead and get this thing started and get to the news. What do you got? Yeah, you bet. I've got the uh, National Weather Service weather outlook to talk about here. Showers and thunderstorms will spread eastward from the Gulf Coast Wednesday into Florida and portions of the southeast Wednesday night. Lake effect snow showers forecast downwind from the Great Lakes. We've already talked about that. Lower elevation and coastal rain and higher elevation accumulating snowfall continues in California. The Great Basin and the southwest or uh, sort of four corners region today with snow shifting into the central southern high plains tomorrow. Precipitation chances remain in the forecast for the Pacific Northwest as a as a, a few systems pass through and chip i'm seeing yep. some uh, some chatter about 
the potential of an East Coast snowstorm. Have you seen this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it a looks thing? like it could be uh, pretty significant here before the end of the week. I love seeing the forecast for the accumulating snow in California up in the higher elevations. You bet. That'll feed into their water needs for next year. You know what you don't see in this outlook is anything about the Midwest. That's right. That's because right. It's, it's, it's expected to be very quiet in the Midwest for the next few days. Well, Chip, the U.S. enters the new year with a record national debt surpassing $34 trillion, marking a grim uh, fiscal milestone. The Treasury Department reported this development as Congress prepares for another potential battle over federal spending. Chip, unless lawmakers can reach an agreement on a short-term continuing resolution or pass appropriations bills by Jan 19 and February 2nd, the U.S. faces the risk of its first federal shutdown since 2019. Dude, if they kick the can down the road on this thing again, I think it's going to backfire on them this time with another continuing resolution. Yeah, Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, They need to get this stuff done by January 19th and by February 2. By the way, ag spending, USDA spending, is in the group of appropriation bills that need to be done by Jan 19. Well, Chip, just a little more on this. The national debt is not only growing in total, but the cost of servicing this debt is also increasing rapidly. Interest payments on the federal debt have already reached $900 billion this fiscal year and are on track to exceed uh, $1 trillion, a situation viewed as unsustainable. It's almost like the U.S. got a payday loan or something, and now we're trying to pay it back. You know what I mean, Chip? Uh, yeah, I, I do know just, what you mean. Yeah, the interest is running away from us. Exactly. Well, Missouri Governor Mike Parson has issued an executive order banning businesses or individuals from nations designated as adversaries from purchasing farmland near military installations. The order specifically prohibits any citizen, resident, or business from an adversarial nation from purchasing ag land within a 10-mile radius of critical military facilities in Missouri. This includes China, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and Venezuela. Now, Chip, the order does not affect current landowners. Governor Parson said the order will not impact foreign investment uh, by U.S. allies, including Israel, Sweden, Germany, the U.K., and Japan, among some others as well. Yeah, uh, hopefully Canada's on that list because Canadians are the largest holders of U.S. uh, farmland in particular. Well, this is interesting, Chip. Taiwanese Defense Ministry officials report four Chinese balloons floating across the self-ruled island ahead of a pivotal election. Don't worry about it. Just shoot them. No, it's fine. It's fine. Shoot them down. Uh, let's see. Where, where are we going to go here? Uh, explosions in Iran have killed at least 73, according to state media. Two blasts struck the city of Kerman, where thousands of mourners had gathered to commemorate the anniversary of the assassination of General Qasem Soleimani. Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Margie Echocamp, editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. Happy New Year. Good morning, Chip. It is officially a new year. Yes. Yes, it is. And what do you expect? In this official new year. Yeah, I think I was waiting for the ball to officially drop before I was ready to make predictions for 2024. But here's mm-hmm. my prediction, okay? And I know that this is being recorded, so I will probably be <laughs> held to some kind of accountability here. But I really think this coming year, we are going to see a convergence of three key drivers. One being tighter margins. Two being technology advancement. And three being labor challenges. And specifically what that trifecta means for ag retail is I think we are going to see elevated in-season management really enabled by some new tools. 
because there's a realization that we can't continue to do the same things in the same ways. So what specifically am I talking about that we're going to see increases on? Maybe two big things. One being selective spraying. We've got a number of platforms that are now commercially available, and I think we're going to see a lot more acres giving those a go here in the next year. Two, I think we're going to have even bigger insights around hybrid performance and variety selection and where we place those corn and soybean products and how they interact with their environment during the year. So what is this all really going to add up to? I think my big prediction for 2024 is every single retailer and every single grower is in a position that they will have one revelation on their agronomic practices in the coming year. Okay. Yeah. So be prepared to learn is what I'm hearing from you. I like that positive take on it. Yes, Chip. Accept the challenge and get ready to learn something new. Yeah, and that's got to be exciting to a lot of producers out there. And and given the fact that that we've been talking about genetic improvement, coupled with the the you know intensive management of the crops, points us in the right direction. Good stuff, Margie. Absolutely. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Chip. That is Margie Camp Better the Scoop. www.thescoop.com. The Daily my mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. USDA's RMA will be hosting more than a dozen workshops this winter for producers to learn about new and expanded livestock risk management projects. Joining us now with the details is Marsha Bunger. Marsha is the administrator of USDA's Risk Management Agency. Welcome, Administrator Bunger, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for having me. Glad that you are here. Uh before we get to some of the details about what's new for the livestock risk management products out there, 
let's make sure that everyone knows the mission and the role of the risk management agency. Tell us about that. Um, you know, I can probably speak to it best from a personal um, perspective. My husband and I have been married since 1982. We've been farming ever since. We're both farm kids from South Dakota. Early on, um, you know, we've survived through the 80s, through the farm crisis, but also because of crop insurance, we've been able to also survive. Today, RMA regulates overseas um, the liability of $207 billion worth of liability. Wow. I mean, I can't, I cannot even fathom what that is, but <laughs> it's not 207 million, it's a billion dollars. Yeah. And we do it with a staff of about 400 people, which mm -hmm. is very small in comparison to when you think of our sister agencies like NRCS, FSA, where they each have anywhere between 11,000 to 13,000 employees mm -hmm. in each of those agencies. But I think what it does speak about is our relationship, our um, structure. It's very unique. It's that public-private yeah. partnership we have with crop insurance agents and crop insurance companies, AIPs, and that number is about that 11,000 number. So they are our boots on the ground. So they yeah. play a integral role in how we get the word out, how we um, service and sell policies. And so over the last decade, we have seen exponential growth in mm -hmm. numerous areas. Um, we've expanded um, into specialty crops, organic crops, um, livestock products. Yep. I mean, yep. the number is just exploding. So it, it it's important. And sure. it's a relationship that um, is not only between the government and crop insurance agents and companies, but it's also um, taxpayers, yeah. you know, so we all have skin in the game is how yeah. I like to phrase it. Yep. And I yep. think it's important that um, people listening that maybe aren't directly involved in agriculture understand that, you know, this is um, a subsidized program, yes, but it also is um, something that's critical to national right. security. And that right. is the protection and the growth and, you know, the safeness and the plentifulness of food. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. Uh, the cattle market since September has really tested some of the tools like the Livestock Risk Protection Program. What has that experience taught you about the livestock tools that are offered through RMA? I think it's taught us, you know, a number of things. We're constantly evaluating um, looking at and also taking into consideration feedback that we hear from mm -hmm. um, producers, but also from the private submitters, the, the owners of those products. A lot of the products that RMA rolls out come through the 508H process. And so the private submitters are heavily involved um, with the maintenance of that product and also, you know, to make sure that they are actuarially sound. Um, and that they make sense. And so, you know, there's been some, some tests to mm -hmm. the experience that we've seen with some of our livestock products, but I still have the utmost faith that they are being maintained actuarially um, and 
you know, we'll make adjustments when we need to. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things about the programs in the RMA is they do see RMA over the years has been responsive to changing needs in the industry. And, and I, I can say with confidence that if some of the progress programs and the livestock programs need to be tweaked, they will be going forward to the benefit of, uh, those needing those risk management tools. So tell me about the Livestock Roadshow. Let's get to the details there. How can livestock producers participate in these opportunities? Um, It's with great pride that I can say that we are going to be offering not only virtual workshops, but also in-person workshops. And I know we have the virtual ones coming up fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. So the virtual workshops, you can find a link on the RMA Livestock Roadshow webpage. The first one um, done virtually will be January 8th, which is, I think, next week at 12 p.m. Central Time. And then following that one will be January 17th at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. And so if you're not able to attend one of the in-person, please, please um, take a look at the opportunities um, for those virtual workshops and just go to the RMA Roadshow webpage, and if you have difficulty, reach out to your agent, your crop insurance agent, but also we have our regional offices that um, are standing by that you just hop on and find their number and give them a call and say, can you help me get get signed up for the virtual workshops if that's the option you want to take. Okay. What are some of the new offerings, Uh, even if it's just adjustments to existing programs or plans? that are out Mm -hmm. there, what are some of the new options that uh, livestock producers might have? Um, The first one that I think of right away is just the most recent one that we um, announced, and that is the weaned calf risk protection policy. And that's being piloted in four states, South Dakota, Colorado, Nebraska, Texas. And, um, that too came through the 508H process. So that is held by a private submitter. Um, so while geographically it's a large area, you know, we still are hearing, well, you know, when can we have it in our state? But I think just like anything RMA does, we want to do it um, intentionally and, and get feedback mm-hmm. and learn from the experience of this next coming year. So, you know, the intent is to someday grow that product um, into the other areas that have cow-calf operations. But yeah. um, certainly we don't want to just roll it out full bore and have all of these problems. So right. um, look to um, explain how that product works at all of our livestock roadshows so that whether you're in a pilot state or you're not, at least you're starting to hear and learn more about how that product can work. In addition, we're also going to be covering dairy revenue protection, livestock gross margin, livestock risk protection. Um, You know, and those are tied to the actual animal. But Mm -hmm. it's also important, I think, as a livestock grower myself, to also understand what's available, how um, I can protect my feed needs. And so they'll, they'll be talking about annual forage and also the pasture, rangeland, and forage um, policy, PRF. Right. Um, so you're, you're going to be hearing a number of different ways to mitigate risk because of weather. Yeah. 
Well, PRF, the the popularity of PRF and the, the produ- more and more producers are making use of that coverage, aren't they? Definitely. You know, I think now um, PRF acres total more than corn, beans, huh. and wheat acres that are insured in this country. You know, so that is just mind-blowing to me. But I'm so happy that there is this growth and that we are, we've expanded that coverage, you know, at least in the lower 48. Um, we are looking um, at some possibilities with Hawaii. So, you know, we'll continue to always um, grow and learn from our experiences. But um, PRF has just seen phenomenal growth. And, you know, when I look at some mm-hmm. of the um, growth in other areas, you know, LRP has grown by 250% in two years. And so there's about 27 million head of cattle insured um, that were insured in 2023. LGM grew by 600% over two years with 14.5 million head of cattle insured in 2023. Um, So exponential growth. Yes. Um, You know, and it's very much tied to that figure I gave that um, RMA regulates and oversees $207 billion worth of liability, and that's part of that number. Absolutely. Absolutely. Learn more about it. You've got the Livestock Road shows coming right up. January 8th is the first virtual. The first in-person session comes January 10th. Get online at RMA and learn all about it. Thank you so much, Administrator Bunger. Thank you so much for getting the word out. I really appreciate it. You bet. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. That is Administrator Marsha Bunger of USDA's Risk Management Agency. We got the Farmer Forum next. Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer. Joining us now, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady Beach little bit of pressure on corn. The soy complex is trying to work to the upside, but that wheat market is showing us some losses again today. What's the feature in the grains? Well, uh, in wheat in particular, uh, a couple things. Uh, the dollar is higher again, uh, more than 300 points higher here at mid-morning, and, and so that's uh, putting some pressure on uh, wheat obviously has some some export struggles anyway, uh, but the bigger thing I think is that uh, the individual state uh, crop condition ratings came out for the end of December, and uh, they showed improvement in the HRW crop specifically in Kansas and Oklahoma, the top two producers, and, and so that's uh, putting some pressure on the market here at mid morning. Uh, SRW futures are down along with the HRW, as is the the spring wheat market, and so uh, that pressure in wheat is influencing the corn market and. Corn Corn's, you know, struggling to find its uh, footing as well with uh, new contract lows there. Gotcha. Soybean oil uh, today can't ignore $2 plus gains in WTI crude oil. Yeah, and it's really soy oil that's trying to uh, to rescue the rest of the soy complex, so to right. speak. Uh, it, you know, it's leading the way to the upside. Soybeans are participating, so some corrective buying there after yesterday's heavy losses. Uh, in the meal market, uh, it's been struggling to find buyer interest, but starting to uh, develop a kind of a mixed tone here at mid All right, take us over to the livestock trade. 
Well, the big gains yesterday in, in the cattle complex, as we talked about on the afternoon show, and, and we're pulling back from those. So just yep. some profit taking today. Yep. Waiting on cash cattle trade to develop. The early signs are that uh, it will be firmer, and we have had a smattering of, of firmer trade so far, but probably not enough to be a, a true test, but still looking for firmer prices and mixed tone in hogs this morning. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Wednesday morning, which means it is time for this week's Farmer Forum. Joining us now, Michelle Jones out in Montana. Michelle, it's good to talk with you again. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you, to you, to you too. All right. And Bob Hamasath in Northeast Iowa. Happy New Year, Bob. Hey, Chip. Happy New Year. Thanks yeah, for having that, me. Yeah, glad that you guys are here. So we just wrapped up this conversation with Marsha Bunger from uh, the administrator at the Re, uh, Risk Management Agency for USDA. Let's just talk a little bit about crop insurance even. Um, and and I know that you can both probably comment on the livestock protection programs, uh, risk protection programs that are out there too. But, Bob, let's start with you. Is is crop insurance and some of the, the protection tools available through RMA, is that where you start with your risk management plan? Well, I think that's uh, that's a big part of it. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's one of those things that's uh, become a probably a basic starting point with your risk management, and then you build yep. from there. Yep, yep. What about you, Michelle? Oh, absolutely. Um, most definitely. I mean, I think we all know that I've got some uh, you know opinions on how we can make it better for mm-hmm. some of the the lower acreage crops, some of the more marginal crops that are used as um, 
in long-term rotations, but certainly for, you know, our winter wheat, our alfalfa, things like that, um, definitely starts and ends with uh, crop insurance. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to address some of those shortfalls of the crop insurance program as it pertains to, I don't know what else to call them other than specialty crops. Uh, Michelle, have you seen much progress there? Yeah, I think that they, they definitely are. Um, I haven't seen it come down, come out in like what we would consider adjustments to make it easier to start those specialty crops. And I think that's where it's really hard and that like you get, you know, county tea yields that are just so low because there is no history of those specialty crops or very little history of those specialty crops. Um, and I haven't seen some of the new changes that they have been making. Um, and I unfortunately didn't get to listen to that conversation. I was planning on it. Um, but I think the the message in terms of like what we look for for sustainability and soil health and conservation and all those sort of things is that like these specialty crops are critical and they're and they're certainly very critical outside of the the main corn belt. So yeah. I think that like we're we're getting there. Um, it's just a matter of, how fast we can get there, I think, and how and how well they are actually um, able to support uh, farmers, especially younger farmers that yeah. need the the robust um, the robust safety net, uh, yeah. and they're also ones that are more typical to be taking on specialty crops. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point, Bob. You make a lot of trips on behalf of corn growers into Washington D.C. to talk with lawmakers. Do lawmakers have a good understanding of just how uh, how much use farmers make of the RMA and the products and the tools that come from that agency? You know, Chip, that's a that's a really good question, and I'd say, and my answer would be yes and no. Um, most of the most of the um, ag legislators, which there aren't that many of them anymore or come from ag states, understand it full, or fully, the impact of it and the importance of it. Some of the other ones, um, it's a learning process. I think if you have the opportunity to talk to them and explain to them what it is, I think then it really, really, uh, you can build on that, that level of their understanding of it. I think, I think we're doing a pretty good job of that, but I think there's always room for improvement. And, um, and I, I was really impressed with the conversation you had with the administrator and and the scope of yeah. of crop insurance and the and all the aspects of it and not necessarily and, and the livestock portion of it and you know we focus we focus on it in the midwest on the corn and soybean but just just the the, the amount of crops that are yeah. covered and and the things that i didn't realize yeah so. yeah i mean it's only two hundred and seven billion dollars worth of liability out there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, no big deal. Um, it's and it seems like it's a pretty efficiently run agency with four hundred employees. Yeah, it, that that uh, that kind of surprised me. But when you take into consideration that it's a public-private enterprise, yeah. especially essentially, uh, and all of those crop insurance agents out there. Uh, are working to get the information out to producers so that they can make the best use and, and make the right selections uh, when it comes to crop insurance, I think is is really, really important. It's one of the reasons that when we get around crop insurance time, 
what my favorite answer to a lot of crop insurance questions is, hey, you need to sit down and talk with your agent. Yeah. <laughs> because those are the experts in this, in, in, in what is available out there. So. Yeah, there's there, there's no doubt. You need to you need to you need to have an agent that understands uh, where where you're coming from as a grower, and and they understand the products that they're selling, because yeah. there's there's obviously varying levels of that out in the in the industry as well. Yep, yep. Michelle, it has yeah. a has a lack of coverage for some of these specialty crops. Has it held back acres for those crops? Uh, yeah, I think that it, it has to have, um, just because there are, the coverage is so minimal that like, even now, I mean, we've been growing some of these crops for 10 years, but, um, because, uh, you know, the rotation is so minimal that, you know, I don't necessarily have 10 straight years of history for a safflower, sunflower, uh, things like that. The, the, the tea yields or the, even the APHs that we're dealing with have, are still backfilled with a lot of tea yields and it's super low um it's certainly below the cost of production like it's it's definitely below what we would consider um you know an absolute disaster year and so it takes so much time to build up that history that it does limit for individuals that certainly are just starting out um not as not as able to just rely on you know if your safflower fails at small enough mm-hmm. acres. It's probably not going to bother you that much, um, but that's where it will. That's where it will limit acres, and that like I'm yeah. not going to put 2,500 acres in of it because I can't yeah. lose 2,500 acres. If yeah. I can put in four or 500 acres, like sure. If it fails, like you know, worse things have happened. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it, it absolutely has an impact in that regard on the the acre size and just straight up adoption. Yep. Yep. Have you made your final decisions on crop mix for 2024, Michelle? And no, no. Well, <laughs> I mean, we have obviously all got our winter wheat planted and we have a certain idea of um, what's coming out in terms of alfalfa um, that will come out of the alfalfa rotation, mostly because that's that um, acreage for crop insurance is reported in November. So that's done. Yeah. So I've got stuff that's uninsured that it will certainly come out um, because I didn't insure it. And then the spring, we tend to wait on the spring um, okay. just to see like what the winter looks like, what the markets look like, and then make our decision on um, between barley, safflower, sunflowers, hay barley, you know, whatever assortment of options right. we've got. Right. Your conditions up there right now, you, you don't have any snow on the ground, do you? No, uh, we got a pretty big storm in October, and then since then, it's been above average and and dry and mm-hmm. we're fine like because we had a wet enough fall and certainly a wet summer um there's certainly other areas that they would take the snow cover um if i had to pick dry months if november december and january are the only dry months we see in the year i would be perfectly happy yeah 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 bob i don't think we can say we're fine in northeast iowa can we no not when you look at the drought map no yeah well, just it's, look at the cricks and the rivers and the tile yeah. lines. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it it's, really it's, is. It's, it's it's scary actually going into. You know, a year ago we we were uh, we were uh, soil moisture level was much better, at least in our area, mm-hmm. going into the spring. But and that can change. But it's uh, it's uh, definitely not uh, not looking very good moisture wise right now. Yep. You know, 
those rains that we had around Christmas, um, mm-hmm. I didn't see the cricks come up at all. It, it, that all went, in the, uh, yeah. all went in the ground. In yeah. December, at the end of December, rain went right into the ground. I don't, mm-hmm. man, it's been a long time since something like that has happened. And it's not like, well, further north of us, Minnesota got some great rains. And mm-hmm. it looks like those that moisture went straight into the ground. It, you, what did you end up getting? Was it was it even more than an inch? Uh, yeah. Uh, reports around here was anywhere from uh, close to an inch to maybe an inch and a half in the general okay. area. So well, yeah, so good rain. So, yeah, not going to yeah. turn that down. There's no question nope. about it. You got your uh, crop plans made for the year ahead. Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty well set for of the year we're okay we're 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 all corn so that hasn't changed yeah. other a little bit of hay, other than a little bit of hay acres so right so, right yeah. exactly <laughs> something's got to feed the pigs right <laughs> that's right <laughs> well and something's got to feed into that biofuel plant that's right that's all yeah. all of the above chip that's right so yeah <laughs> all of the above speaking of biofuels uh we're going to take a break here but when we come back I do want to jump into biofuels conversation here because 2023 was a really good year for biofuels. Uh, 2024, it looks like and feels like is set up to be just as good, if not better, for biofuels in in 2024. So um, we'll we'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about how the ethanol plants are going to reduce those carbon intensity scores and then let's talk some shipping headaches because boy it sure seems to be favoring product out of the u.s through the pnw right now farmer forum here on agritalk go on the offensive against weeds with antares complete from helena antares complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses with a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. 
welcome back to AgriTalk and the Farmer Forum. Here on AgriTalk, we've got Michelle Jones out in Montana, Bob Hemisath, Northeast Iowa, on the Farmer Forum today. Uh, we've we've talked a lot about risk management and and so on, and I want to kind of broaden the conversation a little bit here. I want to start with some of the shipping headaches because when we look at what's going on on the Mississippi River, the Panama Canal, the Black Sea, the Red Sea, it, everything that is happening out there means that it is taking more time, more money to move product around the world unless, Michelle, unless that product is moving out of the PNW. Right now, that seems like the cleanest, most effective way of moving product out of the U.S. Does that have any impact on on basis or anything in your area? Uh, so I think it's actually not, which is surprising. I You would yeah. have think that it would. Um, the basis has actually been trending downwards, but that's largely because our basis was so high coming out of harvest because of yeah. the record crops we had in um, Montana, especially in the hard red winter. Um, that, I mean, our base has reached levels that I have not actually, I, I definitely haven't seen in my farming career. I don't really remember in my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm talking about like 125, yeah. uh, a bushel, uh, negative. Um, they've, they've started to trend back down to more so what I would consider normal. Yeah. Um, I also like, I think we also probably are a little bit out of whack in our, like what was stored, um, just because so many people went beyond their storage that i think they shipped out more during harvest than they typically do so i think that there's there's probably a lull in shipping too at least out of my like super local area yeah yeah bob you're in kind of a unique spot up there in northeast iowa you can go to the river you can go to some processing plants some crush plants for beans that uh, yeah shell rock is in your market area isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's a that's um I know of, I know some beans from this area going down there, which uh, there's a lot of uh, bean meal coming back this way from there, which is which is great for us as livestock producers. Um, but yeah, there we have the we have those we have a lot of opportunities, and that's what's kind of a uh, worrisome though when we look at the with the world market and the and the cost of of shipping and the roadblocks to shipping, and then you take the closing New Mexico train lines the other week yeah. uh, just adding more problems to it um, it just seems like we're we're in a in a uh, seems like literally roadblocks everywhere we want to want to yeah. send products anymore yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly right and we're going to need help from you know nature to fix a couple of those problems that being the Mississippi yeah. River and and the Panama Canal, we need to fix droughts uh, mm-hmm. in the watershed mm-hmm. areas for those two those two issues. And if if that doesn't happen by this spring, Bob, it, it that that is really going to complicate the movement oh, yeah. of corn and soybeans out of the Midwest. Yeah. yeah, and and as as it has in the last, you know, it it's affected us in in twenty three. And it'll just affect us even more. And then, as as you stated earlier, with all these things, it it just ends up costing more to ship because they can't yeah. ship as much, uh, draft levels, all those kind of things. And it just uh, another thing that trickles down to the to the farmer yeah. as an added cost, you know. Right. So, 
Right? Yeah. So yeah, we we definitely need some help there, and and we really really need to figure out from a, a global standpoint, you know, uh, what what are what is our policy, uh, especially in trade, from from the United States. It seems yeah. like we're kind of sitting on the sidelines right now and not really getting into the game. Yeah. Yep. You know, they, Alexis Taylor there, the undersecretary for, for trade at USDA will argue, but the trade missions, they've got trade missions that are underway and planned for 2024. I think what, what a lot of farmers would like to see is something greater and grander than, yes. than trade missions, right? Trade missions are important. Don't get me wrong. You have to build yeah. those relationships, but let's let's build some trade. Yeah. Let's actually go build some trade agreements out of those, or, right. or work on uh, fixing the existing ones, or or building on the existing ones. Right. So, man, I just looked yeah. at the clock. I want to get to the biofuels topic here very quickly, Bob. Twenty three was a good good year for biofuels. Twenty four could be even better, couldn't it? Yeah. Could be. It could be. We we're we're setting up. It's just a matter of, um, uh, you know, we still have that uh, uh, year round E15 uh, yep. looming for this summer. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen there. Um, some are saying that we won't see an emergency waiver. So that means we're going to have to figure out something else. Um, but, yeah, we're setting up. We're setting up. Well, there's a um, we got good news out of Treasury with the great thing. So, yep. We we can move forward uh, with our with uh, thoughts of how we get to get to uh, our carbon score low enough to get to sustainable yeah. aviation fuel. Yeah, yeah, that was a big move there. What do you make of all the developments in the biofuels world, Michelle? Uh, I mean, I think that there's certainly been some positives. It's still not a world that I'm as truly you know up to speed as I probably should be. Yeah. Uh, definitely reply pretty heavily on news coming out of the corn growers and uh, the other groups that, that work on biofuels. But I think like to me, since I live in, you know, I split my time between Seattle and and Montana. I think that like, we're still missing an opportunity and that like every gas station I go by, they're still offering non-ethanol. Like that's their advertisements. You see advertisements for it and it just kills me. Like, do we want to push EVs? But like, we're missing that opportunity to, um, to market a lower lower emissions with using yeah. ethanol biofuels. Yeah. Yeah, yep. we there are plenty of benefits that we could be capturing and right more specifically the that the uh, administration could be capturing right now with the product that's available to them uh, and they just don't see the opportunity, I guess. I don't know. We'll we'll continue to push that Bob, Michelle, Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Thanks, Chip. All right. That's Michelle Jones out in Montana. Bob Hemisath in Northeast Iowa. Okay. Come back this afternoon. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a conversation with Chris Robinson from Robinson Ag Marketing right here on Agritalk.